So today, as part of our podcast series, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview Brian Moore, the CEO of Oracle, a leading blood analysis company. So Oracle is blending data science and sports science to generate customized indicators of injury, optimal training load, and recovery strategies. Oracle also recently launched a new application called Athlete, tailored for athletes that helps them analyze their sleep, nutrition, load, and much more. So Brian, welcome to the show. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here, Julian. Thanks so much for the invitation. And, You're welcome. Uh, very, very grateful to uh, Mr. Podrick Harrington and uh, Adrian Mitchell as, as uh, IMG for connecting us. Yeah, no, Adrian is great and, and Padraig, of course. So uh, great. So what I want to talk to you about today was first talk about your background and then we'll talk about your company, Orico, and the work that you're doing with teams and athletes. Uh, and also we'll touch on your product and the benefits for teams and athletes to use your product. And then we'll, we'll touch on your plans for the next 12 months. How does it sound? Fantastic. Yeah. Really looking forward to getting into it. Great. So first, you know, I know you studied under the late professor Greg Sharp, founder of British Olympic Medical Center and the British Association of Sports Science. So how did that shape your career? Oh, it, it was uh, such an absolute honor. I was uh, one of the final PhDs to complete their studies under Professor Sharp. And um, any folks listening in the, in the UK or even internationally would be maybe familiar with, uh, with Craig. He was um, an amazing professor. He was one of the kind of forefathers or um, uh, founding members of sports science uh, in the UK. Who drove a lot of the, the the processes and gave us all the opportunity. So any of the work that we're doing, really, we really feel that we're we're standing on the shoulders of giants who did all the uh, um, early and amazing work, and our work is an is an evolution and extension of that. So I mean, um, there's an amazing uh, article that Craig wrote in uh, in 1996 talking about the sub 24 minute 10k in yeah. the year 2040. And he described what he, you know, how he foresaw sports technology to to be able to support someone running six four hundred miles back to back. And uh, if you look at it, it's amazing. There's so much of it has come through from the speed suits like Kathy Freeman wore at the Sydney. Yeah, Olympics. I remember that. Yeah, the new shoes, uh, the new the, the, whatever the um, the shoes with the carbon carbon fiber plates, the electronic pacing um, with the lights, the um, micronutrition. It's all there, really, and uh, he's kind of, you know, built a roadmap for us to to look at. And I always reference it. I often reference, really. So I'm immensely um, grateful to Craig for giving me the opportunity as an unknown, young undergraduate to go into him with an idea about monitoring the blood of athletes and why it's important and what it can potentially help with with coaches and uh, with performance staff in in guiding yeah. training and particularly overtraining and uh, under recovery um, so that's really where it all started from for me in terms of I did my undergraduate in Strawberry Hill in, in London yeah. and um, and then uh, you know was exposed to amazing athletes training the vicinity like Moses Kiptinui and Daniel Komen and Sally Barsocio so that was my background in track and field it started as a yeah. wannabe athlete and I spent some time living and training with the Kenyans Julian and I figured out the Kenyans you said the Kenyans yeah wow yeah. Yeah, so um, I worked out very quickly that if I was going to be running against these athletes for my lunch, I was going to be very hungry and I needed oh, yeah. to do something else. Yeah, I mean, it was amazing to be living and uh, and working alongside the, the athletes and helping monitor them too. So it was really, you know, um, 
my, my career started with you know an amazing grounding we're so fortunate with Craig uh, taking an opportunity uh, like take, give him, taking a chance on me and then Kim McDonald and his stable of amazing athletes who were preparing for the Seville World Championships in 1999 so that's how far we go back or I go back and uh, yeah I'm as excited now 23 years 24 years on as I, as I was there which is you got a few more gray the, hair I guess yeah I have a lot more gray <laughs> hair <laughs> and I'm nowhere able to near I can't run anywhere near as fast as I used to be able to but I'm hoping to get back to it soon yeah and no, that's great so look it's uh looks like um the professor uh, Craig Sharp was just kind of a pioneer right in the space um, truly truly like, I mean he was an amazing man and uh like he came he trained as a as a vet and was part of Nobel Prize winning research and wow. uh, he uh, then I asked him what what prompted him to do it and he said he just wanted to bring science into sport and oh, uh, yeah, he he was a he he was actually a, also a, this he looked after the snakes in Nairobi Zoo he held a record for the fastest descent to Mount Kilimanjaro wow. uh, yeah he was amazing and uh, I, to be honest I used to sit and listen and spend so much time with him um, just just basically just uh, soaking up all his knowledge and yeah i would hand and heart say he knew more in his little finger than i did in my whole being but he was so patient and when i went to him with ideas to say hey look i think we can do this around for example blood testing at alt- altitude and at the time i was con- contributing to institute of sport research around adaptation to athletes and uh, to altitude yeah and, uh, he, he he backed me 100 to do it very early in my career and uh, that really opened all my horizons. Well, that's great. So, 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 when did you get the idea? What was the trigger for you to to build your own company, Orico? I know you studied Orico with obviously with blood analysis, but you know how does that prac that practically work for an uh, English Premier League team or an NBA team? Sure. So, like it started off that um, I had a very simple idea: was is the blood of an athlete different to the not to a, a non-athlete? And stumbled across really interesting findings around when when players were fatigued. Or, yeah. um, or or at times they were hurt. And it was all linking back to inflammation um, that we were starting to see and early signs of it and, and, and a maladaptation to uh, to load where their immune system was uh, and immune function was being compromised. And really at the time, I remember at the time I was running, training hard with the Kenyans and I felt awful. Absolutely, yeah. you know, I was being absolutely smashed every other day by the guys and uh, uh I just really remember running my own blood through the machine and thinking, yeah. if, this, if this comes up as normal, I might quit my PhD because <laughs> it's not really showing me anything and I feel so bad. And What did you see? What did you yeah, discover? Yeah, what was very interesting was, you know, when we ran it through and we looked at the laboratory and they said, ah, look, see, it's normal. And I was like, so I started looking at it and I started to see, like, you know, there was, there was definitely disturbances around the white cell count. And then what happened was both my parents were biomedical scientists. And to be yeah. honest, it was the last thing in the world I wanted to do, Julian, I was just interested in sports. Yeah. And um, really, the, you know, what I started to see was from the back of the analyzers, there was hundreds of parameters that you rarely saw. And I started to see patterns that were, you know, associated with how I was feeling really flat. Even though I was able, I was okay with steady state work, but I was really struggling at threshold. Mm-hmm. And that kind of, anytime I saw that, then I'd speak to the athletes and they'd say, I'd say, how are you doing? They say, I'm fine. How are you doing? I feel amazing. And I say, how are you doing? And they go, actually, I feel awful. And they didn't want to admit it to themselves. And, but you could see that in the blood analysis? Yeah, you could see in the blood. And at the time we were doing our venous sampling. So it was a full on sample, like two or three vials of blood and send them to the lab. And it might take a day or two to come, to come back. Yeah, it's, an, it's a pain, yeah. 
Yeah, so what we, then what we started to work on was point of care work, and that's a natural evolution of what we're doing today, where you have um, to give you a snapshot of looking at your uh, high sensitivity CRP, your inflammation levels, and your antioxidant defenses and free radicals, and we can get a snapshot within like six minutes beside the the, um, the player. So wow. I worked with uh, Dr. Paul Catterson at Newcastle. We started with Paul in, in 2012, around the time of the Olympics and the Euros. He had players coming back from the Euros who were yeah. were normal yeah. on a lot of measurements, but we're still feeling fatigue and reporting fatigue. So that's where it started. And I kind of then realized, look, what we need to do is we need rapid information. We need to, it needs to be robust, reproducible, reliable, waiting two, three, four days for a, a blood report, you know, mm-hmm. if you're looking into the past. So, and then we developed systems. I, I worked through um, in the, uh, the British Olympic environment with different sports like sailing and track and field and yeah. rowing, sailing, swimming, coming from an endurance background. And then, uh, you know, where we got to the point where we could have results available from hospital systems within 15 minutes after it hit the laboratory. So within a couple of hours and now with the point of care, we can do within minutes. So typically our clients in the Premier League or in the NBA, they will do, um, they'll measure the, the, the athletes on game day um, minus two or plus two and just seeing yeah. how they're backing up after a recent game or preparing for the, for the next one. And then we link that together because what we found and, you know, we've discussed is this is all about context. So yeah. there's some amazing technology out there, but it, it's no good if it's siloed or it's of limited mm-hmm. use. So what we can, we can do is we link this information into uh, GPS drill planners, into um their the roadmap or the game schedule we can link it to amazing technology like second spectrum or connects on data or or basically all the inputs that we're we're interested in looking at from that your 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 uh, your listeners will be so when, when you say you link and link it to gps data can you explain a bit more what you mean by that sure so like if a, if a player is fatigued what we can do is we can you know we have um, integrations in with the catapult and stat sports data where we can we can cross-reference the two and you can start to see if a player is, is um, if their output is, isn't where you expect it to be or they're having difficulty with uh, making yeah. recoveries, you can instantly check on their inflammation levels or their antioxidant defenses. And what we've seen, we've built. So uh, one of the challenges around biomarkers is often the, the data is compared to a standard reference range. Mm-hmm. Or, but that's like comparing your player or the athlete to someone in the stands. You know, yeah. so we built our uh, elite reference ranges, but also personalized ones that uh, that are adaptive and they learn about you. So that yeah. you know, Julian, your biomarkers are going to be slightly different to mine. And what we found through all the work, you know, over the last twenty years and the last ten years at Arco is that look, we need to have the context. You need to have data that's real reliable. You also don't want to overwhelm the athlete. Yeah. And you and and also be very conscious that the practitioner you're dealing with has got multiple streams of information flying at them often with a perhaps a smaller analyst team which yeah. means that they're they're trying to process a lot of information on the fly and a, a training session that might change and they might miss point. something they might miss something right yeah. overlook something yeah like i think it's something to be it's it's remarkable what performance staffs have achieved over the last two years when you look with the with the pandemic with regard to you know, disrupted seasons, truncated seasons, shortened off seasons, and then back to, to loads, um, you know, immense loads, and then, you know, psychological stress, so playing in, in bubbles, etc. So the performance staff have done amazing jobs to, to keep the injuries where they're at. Yeah. Um, I think now as things are getting back to normal, 
we're getting a lot of interest in what we're doing because of that, like I said, that real-time um, uh, biomarker, which is of interest. And now with athlete that you can, you can, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's not just a, an aggregator. It's actually building you or giving you suggested insights um, that are from the data that's pulling across your, all the different inputs. So right, I think that's key, right? So it's not just analyzing the data, but it's like, what does that mean? The so what, right? Exactly. And, uh, you know, there's, you know, the, the practitioner has to be and the coach has to be in control of this. And so yeah. what you want to do is to have their input, but you want to be able to surface insights for them quickly in yeah. their work stream where they can, you know, you know, <laughs> the, the, the odds are like, you know, you're, you're screening through a lot of data and all of a sudden, you know, the, the most pertinent information might be, you know, the final athlete in that file or whatever. So what the, the engines our engines now um, can can do that pick that up and bring that right to the front of your attention and show you and at the same token not having multiple alerts i think that's one of the challenges with them um, in this world now where we're you know uh, you know ch- talk about machine learning and talk about you yeah. know, sometimes there can be almost alert fatigued you go open a dashboard exactly and it's lit up like christmas so Really, that's where we're positioned in the market. That if you have your AMS systems, whatever we, you know, if you look on our site at oracle.com, you know, we have 17 PhDs on staff that operate as a team within your team. Yeah. And some of the features that are developed that really come out of like really difficult questions that are the performance staff are asking us, like, hey, can you, if you've got all this historical GPS data, can you predict what the load will be for this session? And what happens if the session, you know, doesn't always happen but what happens if this session changes uh on the fly what does that mean and can you suggest other drills that will um you know give you the same uh output or type of work with um, perhaps less physical load so they're all the kind of questions that our, our performance staff are are asking us and you know dr Callison in newcastle or dr callahan at the in new york Knicks or uh, casey at the mavericks they're always constantly pushing us to get better, and that's the joy of our job. Yeah, and I think you mentioned also a good point on the fact that some of those software platforms, AMS, they just call them for what they are, injury prevention software. Sometimes they overwhelm, and I've heard that from teams, right? Performance staff telling me, look, I've been overwhelmed. I've got like 12, 20 alerts of players telling me, you know, you, go, you need to go and check them out. There might be a risk of injury, and, you know, it, it could become a problem. Right, you're trying to prevent injuries, but at the same time, you're disrupting your workflow, right? Uh, yeah. And so it kind of defeats the purpose, right? A little bit. Yeah, exactly. One of the you know challenges are this idea of um, of false positives and how many times do alerts flag and nothing happens, and that's where you get, um, you know, almost like the, the the child that cried wolf. In that, it's if it's alerting all the time and nothing happens, then you know you can tend to miss it. So really, I think. Like for, for what we're starting to see is uh, teams are often using um, open source tools. Like they're, they're definitely, there's some great work in the AMS space to pull the information together, but then the kind of extra layer of intelligence is, you know, is data scientists working along with you. Cause you, you, the danger with it is you can end up modeling a lot of noise and um, you know, and the, 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 the data sets now that are, are so vast, you know, they're into billions of rows that uh, as Professor Newell and our team says, sometimes the more volume, the more noise, as if you turn off the volume on your, uh, your stereo at home, that is more noise. So equally, if there's bias in there as well, that gets amplified. So for us, it's about look, really simple things done very well. It's 
you know, we call it the four T's that we or, that we looked at. It, it was yeah. three T's that we look at the through the lens of data around training. So those inputs that we talked about, if there's tactical elements that now they're being brought in where you have, um, you know, um, uh, content like stats bomb, or you have um, uh, second spectrum feeds that come in and show you what's happening or else yeah. are for, for transfers. So there were the three T's that data was, you know, we were looking at the lens we were looking at it, those buckets and the fourth one now is is um, is tokenization of the data for you know that we can probably chat at the, later on in our, our our talk. But it's really about simple things done very well. There has to be an evidence behind what we do. So that's why we've got like seventeen PhDs on our staff and you know over three hundred pa papers, which I think marks us out in the space that yes, you know we do cite other researchers' work and we do get independent validation of our science. But, yeah, that's great. Um... So can you maybe touch a little bit more on your on this new app, Athlete, that you guys released? I like the fact that an athlete can use it and really learn about, you know, uh, how they're doing. And, and they look at, you look at your load, their load, their sleep data. Uh, so can you tell me more about that and how, you know, has been, what has been the perception from the, from the athletes and the teams about that, for example? Yeah, like we're getting phenomenal response, which is really heartening. And it's a credit to all our um, engineers and our data scientists and our sports scientists. But um, it's basically everything you want at your fingertips. And because we we are practitioners ourselves and have worked in high performance, we understand the pressure on the athletes um, and on the, the staff. So look, things have to be really easy to navigate, not be overwhelming. And um, what we wanted to show was uh, if you're sitting with an athlete and your message consistently is, you know, and rightly so is like, you know, increase your fruit and veg intake, um, uh, go to bed earlier and uh, don't drink beer or reduce your beer. <laughs> that gets very old very quickly. But yeah. the beauty of, of Oracle is, uh, and the athlete platform, is that you can start to see that the athlete makes the connection themselves when they're, when they're doing everything that they can outside of, um, of um, training and, um, and games and recovery. They can see the impact of those positive steps on their performance statistics and then into their into their salary so we can show an athlete week to week whether they're performing at above below contract we can show them you know they can look ahead for the next seven days and say or the next two weeks and look at their uh, travel load how many time zones they're crossing we yeah. can that then to their to their private chef at home to give suggestions um, because the chef is uh, can be make, producing and is producing amazing meals at home mm -hmm. but how much better is it where can you imagine that the when you come home from training and that meal that the, the chef has has produced is actually synced to what you've done in training that day and equally what's programmed for tomorrow yeah no, that makes sense so so basically their chef can get access to the uh, the platform yeah 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 we can basically give uh, push suggestions or recipes to them and uh, so we you know we work with athletes and their agents as well as their, like the performance staff so Todd Ramazar at Life Sports, who looks after Pascal Siakam, uh, yeah. Kevon yeah. Ernie, um, uh, Thomas Bryant, Josh Primo. And we've also started working in the NHL with um, Alan Roy and the RSG NRX Hockey Group. And yeah. they yeah. see as a way to help you know, provide value to their clients and um, to really using data to support decision-making and then prolong careers. And ultimately for the athlete to get paid more and for the, the teams, to help you know there's immensely valuable assets that they're completely invested in helping to optimize that they're available as much as possible and 
as we, you know, the famous saying, the best ability is availability. Yeah. Uh, can you touch, uh, you made a comment about the fact that athletes can see if they are performing uh, under maybe their contract value or whatever. I mean, how do you guys do that? How, what's your, how do you guys figure that out? Yeah, we have a, um, an amazing data science team and, you know, I definitely would have paid more attention in, in maths class, Julian, had I realized how, yeah. how important this is and the, the possibility of what can be delivered. So, yeah, our teams have, you know, have developed the algorithms to what they analyze um, uh, things like who you're on the court with, um, who you're matching up with, who you're playing with, who you're playing against yeah. and what your input uh, is to the into the team and what you're how you're operating. Um, relative to that contract so it's called um, it's a module called Frank that we yeah. worked on particularly with uh, with um, with Todd uh, Ramazar the agent and helping his athletes understand you know where they're at so it helped them to look they, all the athletes want to do is they want to get better and yeah. they want to be able to we want to show them that if they're if they're already they want to be they're on the bench and they want to start that we can get show them what kind of outputs are, are respected are expected to for an NBA player, or if they're already a starter and they want to be an all-star, they want to, they're an all-star and they want to be an MVP. You can show them, look, the areas of the game that, that, you know, and their, on their physiology and also in terms of their, what they're doing on the court, how they match up against any player in the league. And we've built that now for, um, for the NBA, for NHL, for NFL and, and Premier League players. And I think what was reported earlier in the year, Kevin De Bruyne at Manchester City, yeah, employing analysts to, to, to show his value. I think you'll see that. I remember right. that. Yes, like he was. He was not rely. He didn't. He doesn't have an agent, by the way. I think. I think his his dad represents him, and oh, uh, he has a team uh, advisors around him. So in the same way that that's why um, Todd or uh, Alan, you know, they're both. Todd played basketball UCLA. Uh, Alan was a goalkeeper in the NHL and Olympic yeah. silver medalist. So I, uh, you know, uh, that's why you know. Folks who understand performance can instantly, instantly get what we're doing and why, how they see us in the market, and, and as, as you know, adjacent to but different to the, the AMS platforms and, and that intelligence layer. So, you know, as you know, we 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 talked about it and you saw the platform. How did you, you know, how where do you think it, it sits on the in the ecosystem? Yeah, and I mean, it's fascinating. I, I think, look, I think we've gone a long way. Uh, in, in terms of the sports science and injury prevention, but I feel like in the next 10 years, there's going to be so much more innovation happening, yep. uh, which is kind of, it's, it's amazing, right? Just to think about it. Um, so can you tell me more about, the, I know you guys have in, uh, heavily invested in female athlete research. So when did that work start? Can you talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think for, to my mind, um, and it's kind of been widely reported that, female athletes and uh, or women and women menstruate in in general have been kind of egregiously overlooked by science typically yes it's it's work done on men extrapolated to 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 onto the women and uh, like we have a five-year-old here in our house and even he'll tell you that's not a good idea mm-hmm. so it, it's i was very fortunate the first ever athlete that i worked um one-to-one with was uh, sonia sullivan an irish distance runner oh, of course i remember her yeah she was amazing yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely amazing. So I was lucky enough to work with her in the build-up to the Sydney Olympics, and where she yeah. got silver, and she was world championship in '98 at the cross country and yeah. world record holder. And so we, I've been lucky enough to work with female athletes, and as soon as we started, we've always did, and but we 
we were kind of paying lip service to the the, the area I would ask about um, menstrual cycle and status and Sonia wouldn't really you know she'd say yeah whatever this this is my these are my dates etc but we didn't really go into it and it was only you know when Georgie Dr. Georgie Runewells on our team came to me and just said look you know how 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 little the evidence is here and you know that there's there's nothing there and I said well I just kind of went back to the research that I had but when I really look back at it critically you could see that it was so poor and that it, that women have been overlooked so really from our inception we've been working with female athletes but in mm-hmm. earnest we've been investing it for the last seven years and that's led us to a point now where we have a female we had a we had a kind of consumer facing app that we just put out there to because we thought you know people would be interested in it and we were shocked like it's been downloaded to hundreds of thousands of times it's been in in hundreds of countries around the world and it's been adopted by very high profile teams and we we thought that you know this information you know was just a starting point but literally there was done nothing else there and um, now folks are starting to follow which is great and um, and start to invest in the space but georgie wrote a really nice paper probably five years ago six years ago into the bgsm to say like where is all the research so you yeah. now have that all that inf- those inputs are available for um uh, for women who menstruate into the uh into the athlete platform so yeah. literally you know we can we can get a sense of it so we can help with uh, symptom reduction you know, we had situations where players were stepping off champions league pitches to vomit related to symptoms they were having if that happened to a male player we'd still be talking about it so mm-hmm. as you know we're, we're very hopeful we've partnered with fifa on some groundbreaking research we're sponsoring four phds a year for the next four years we started that this this year so there'll be 16 phds and that network of research that you know it's our contribution to it so it's a huge area and we've built tools called like like fitter coach which allows a team to visualize where the players are in their cycles get a sense of it flag any symptoms and then um also flag you know missed cycles or elongated cycles that then you can start to investigate things like like fueling but also we've seen definite injury risk at different windows and the increased yeah. report. so so it's a huge area and one we're, we're very proud of um, proud to support that's great that's amazing work that you guys are doing uh and speaking of female athlete you know i hope that we can have we can start having more female athlete to speak on that show because I, it's not because we don't want to we just don't have know that many of them so if you know of any great female athlete by any means let me know we'd love to yeah, have I, them on, on the show I, I think what you're starting to see now with um uh, you know, often that there are, there are amazing athletes and they're they're there, but they just don't get the, the coverage. That's starting to change oh. now. When you, when you saw the sellout in in um in Camp Nou with the uh, Barca, Real, I did see that. Yes, and like the I think the final for the women's Euros sold out Wembley in minutes. Mm-hmm. So, like I think that, that there's amazing athletes there. It's the like we had 17 athletes who medaled in Tokyo. Yeah, uh, in, a, in a cohort and um yeah look we we, we have there's, there's amazing athletes there there's amazing stories to be told and also for practitioners because one of the challenges in in many environments that the coach can often be a man, man that's a very difficult conversation to broach even oh, as a scientist, you know as a scientist it's more it's more straightforward because yeah. it's a, you know it's, you're having a scientific conversation but as a coach it is a challenge so that's of one course. of the reasons we built those coach applications so that makes sense. Uh, so going back to your product, so can your platform support both athletes and teams? I think it does, but can you talk about that? Yes, absolutely. There's a, there's a team interface where the athletes can, or the team can push content to the individual players. 
they can push content to the whole squad or to an individual that may be something that they've spotted on some of the GPS tools or the monitoring. They can also, the, the, you know, visualize their, um, the, like the, the drill by drill data from the sessions. And, um, you know, we've now also developed a tool called uh, Motion Signal, where well, we'll be talking about that like later on in the year, but some fascinating insights that we've, that are there visible around yeah. injury and early early alerts of um, changes in how, how players are moving. But what we're, the whole point of this is that, you know, I think we talked about before, like experts scare me, Julian, because they have all the answers. Mm-hmm. The practitioners that we work with, we all know, we, we get to the point that the more we know, we realize the less we know. And what you want to try to do is build really solid frameworks for, um, for this to support decision-making. So there's an evidence behind it. Yeah. And things are complicated. And particularly if you start to try to, to build models. I think a lot of the challenges around some of the, the uh, injury um, prevention, you know, claims I've seen or heard, there's a lot of overfitting of the data. It doesn't necessarily transfer across different sports. This is all about, for us, the platform is about individualization. So, yeah. you know, you can pick up the fact that, okay, look, here's information to, uh, for your chef. Here's information for, you know, hey, your flights got delayed by four hours last night. What does that mean for training today? Yes. They're the kind of things that our system can handle and is built to help navigate, but to do it from an evidence data-led perspective. And again, it's a part, so it's a human in the loop whereby, look, we're not, it's not a black box algorithm, but players can see what's driving, what are driving the, the, the inputs as, as can coaches. And like, we are skeptical ourselves. My co-founder is a consultant hematologist who is, you know, I've put him up there with the most skeptical people in the planet I've ever met, mm-hmm. which is a good thing. Yeah. You know, we're constantly looking at new technology and you know with the upside newsletter it's a great place i can you know quickly see um so a great one place to to check for latest innovation but a lot of our teams will come to us and say what do you think of this or can you investigate that for us and yeah we often do the, the interrogation for them because teams are practitioners are so busy oh but exactly and that's why you know we our philosophy for the past 10 years we've seen so many technologies so that's why we, we came up with the idea of kind of vetting and, you know, selecting the best in technology that we've seen. But even whenever we, we come across a new technology, we always like to test it. Yes. Even though some companies might make claims, you know, you want to try it yourself and you want to talk. I have the team to try it. The one that you trust and they're comfortable trying new things because you can, you can never take things at face value, right? Absolutely. Like, you know, it's funny. Like, I mean, when I, we started working, you know, I started personally working with Podrick in 2006, seven, and for a yeah. whole year, when I'd be sending through doing the blood analysis and sending through the, um, the data to Podrick and to Liam, they were cross-referencing with their own measures. They were looking at jump data, looking at swing speed, club head speed, ball speed, yeah. all those things like to, to make sure, you know, to test it out for themselves. And, you know, like for us, like, you know, a white paper doesn't cut it. We want to say, show us the evidence show us the reproducibility, show us the reliability of your data. And then, okay, look, how does, it feel, you know, how does this fit in context? And does this make my support decision-making today or tomorrow for a session that we're going to do or for you know, managing a player? And um, what, what's amazing, like I said, you can very, very quickly um, uh, model, model nonsense. So that's why yep. like, the first person that joined us in our team, um, outside of my co-founder and I, was uh, Professor John Newell, a professor of statistics, and who's written the book on sports and science, uh, stats for sports and exercise. 
and um, because that, that you you have to have that. And um, I think look, it's a it's a uh, skill set that's massively in demand, and um, we're we're blessed to have a, a you know one of the biggest teams in the world in that area. Yeah, and to that point, just to finish on that, I mean, I've seen startups founders. We have zero background in sports or sports science performance, and they just tech people, right? So I think in your case, you get, you come from that world, right? So you really understand the problems and the issues. And I found that some of the best founders of sports performance startups are the ones that come from either work with athletes and professional teams before, because they understand the issues and you know the workflow and 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 everything that an athlete has to deal with. Yes, absolutely. You know, the the you know there that you hit the nail on the head. Really, your job is to is to make yourself as invisible as possible, but be there to help at the right time. And you yeah. know, I think you find that sometimes you just want to, if the watch your watch is sitting there and it's giving you alerts and it's telling you, you know, breathe or walk, you know, whatever that can get irritating. So yes, one of the things is, is you want there's something that's unobtrusive that's sitting there, but equally mm-hmm. that's in, in control. That's why I like you know I take issue with a lot of like. We, we do have like, you know, recovery indices that teams can see where a readiness to perform index. But like, if you're looking at, if you're heading out into a uh, the final round of a major and, you know, you've got a wearable that's giving you a reported readiness score, you know, yeah. that, that's, you've got to be so careful with that information because one, where is that coming from? Two, has that algorithm been consistent? Is it consistent? Has that been changed recently? Yeah. What does that mean? So, but equally at the background, if there is like, you know, a, a progressive, uh, you know, decline in HRV or, Oh, you know, information is through the roof, or you know, the GPS is is, is screaming at you that, that this is the player is on has is doing much more uh, covering much more ground. One like one of the things uh, I don't remember. Do you remember in in the nineties the the Cypress Hill song? You know, it was like um, when the ship goes down, you better be ready. And that you yeah know, yeah yeah. You ever see when a player goes down hurt straight away? Is look down the bench to the medical and performance staff. What's happened? Yeah. Uh, and it's like okay then it's like a player come on and then that player has to be ready and you know perhaps they haven't had much game time or much training time and mm-hmm. you know, it's all to be managed and you can do this with data but it needs yeah. to be you know athlete centered and and performance staff focused so that it, it helps them rather than further complicate the situation you know and yeah uh, no, I, I i couldn't agree more um so um, next question, and I know you touched on the fact that you guys work with agents, right? Some NBA agents, uh, Adrian, who, who takes care of uh, Podreg. So uh, why are agents interested in your work, what you guys do at Orico? Well, I think like everybody is, that's a, that's a really good question. Everybody is, has the same motivation, which is to see that the athlete do well. And obviously there's a, there's a financial component for an agent and commission and basically more availability than... Yeah. Uh, greater salary that can be um, commanded also on a team level you know uh, merchandise sales tv rights it's all linked to basically player availability and a lot of this comes down to that first component like one of those components we talked about is is training and you know we've seen athletes in the past who have been you know worked extremely hard and then then pick up an injury you know you know predisposition to injuries it's prior injuries age hydrate there's so many there's so many factors that go into an injury that's why you know we're always reluctant you know it's it is it is complex but agents ultimately want to be able to for the players to play as long as possible so they can get paid as much as possible and um and you know help them to to reach the top of the game and that's yeah what they can do through data and so 
like Alan is is blazing a trail in the uh, in, in in the NHL, and also like we have relationships with the players' associations because a really critical point of this is that that the the data belongs to the athlete, yeah, and uh, it has to do so, and so that's covered heavily under the CBAs, the collective bargaining agreements. Equally, yeah. you know, we have very good relationship with the NBA Players Association, and you know we're, we're in contact with the with other uh, player agencies as well to say. Look, um, how how can you curate that information for the player and the athlete? So it's it's when they retire that there's you know for their own health and wellness as they manage that they have this information here to talk to their own physician down the line and here's your history all in one place and here's previous injuries or here is you know here's all here's my historical blood data etc. So that's like one component that the the agents are really interested in and then mm-hmm. you know to maximize their players their opportunities as well. Yeah, and I'm, yeah, I mean, you know, talking about players, data, and and privacy. I mean, it's we could spend an hour talking about this. And, okay. You know, I was talking to an NBA an NBA team uh, about six months ago, and I asked them about the fact that the NBA does not allow the use of wearables during live NBA games, and the the the, the response from my from that was, well, wait, that's going to change because with things like sports betting. As soon as the NBA Player Association or even the NBA, you know, and, and, and people are going to get a cut of sports betting, then uh, that NBA team believe that the NBA is going to change radically their position on sports betting because they're going to get a cut of it. Um, anyway, that, and I thought it was an interesting comment, but... Yeah, well, uh, you're, you're starting to see, you know, um, the, like uh, the, the kind of the world's uh, colliding of... And not just gaming and gambling, but also um, like TV broadcasting. So yeah. I think was, the first one I saw was an NRL game with the heart rate and on a kicker. Being exactly. Yeah. So and that's happening. And I think uh, with Aura and Whoop, the same thing. So that mm-hmm. that's all definitely coming down the line. We're we're firmly of the of the position that the data belongs to the athlete and the teams are too. I mean, the teams we're we're so lucky to work with. Um, uh, like like I said, the teams in, in the NBA or the Premier League, one of the yeah. big areas that they talk about where they see value in us is, is in the off-season, where where they're not necessarily in contact with the player and mm-hmm. uh, that they, 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 they want to know that the player's load are being, are being managed. And, you know, in an off-season, the teams change and also a player might have uh, a new strength trainer, they might have a new uh, coach, and you have a new performance coach, new skills coach. But none of those coaches are privy to the information about how an athlete is, you know, what they've done that day or over the last few days. And uh, that's one of the big things you see. So, for example, the strength trainer might have done a really a blitz session in the morning time. Then the skills yeah. coach might figure out why in the afternoon the players, you know, is fatigued or not moving as well as they should or not able yeah. to execute what they're doing. So, you need that 360 view of the athlete and that's what mm-hmm. the athlete can do. And also... You know, we talk about this this evolution. I think I believe that this is this whole space will. Uh, it's like an F one analogy. So, what's the the technologies that are in the F one cars eventually find their way into our own street cars? It's the same for the athletes. So, yeah. if I jump on onto my peloton and I do a peloton workout and it's suggesting this session or I want to do this session, it doesn't know how I've slept. It doesn't know no. that I, you know, or that you say you know you're you're busy in your life, Julian, and you you just got on a flight and you've flown from. LA back to New York and yeah. you, know, you had two or three hours sleep and you know so the it's these the systems and the platforms 
it's almost like sports science platforms that will they will power the next generation and that's why you know we've attracted venture capital investment because they see us as the where next you know that makes sense um so next three more questions the first one is so how, can you talk about how your team building intelligence i know you got very 17 phds on your staff can you tell me more about that how you guys build the intelligence yeah absolutely so it's um you know there's so many data streams as your all your listeners know uh, from all the different types of input and you know there's the structured data and also uh, unstructured data so we had um, natural language processing modules for for coach notes also voice note integration where we were building that that uh, view of the athlete and also link it back to the game schedule and the training schedule so it was really really complicated and if and it's it's definitely contributed to the gray hairs that i have julian so um yeah but I, <laughs> you know i think having like you know guidance from professor newell and also dr colin reardon who specializes in in cognitive computing and recommendation systems and then a team of phds under them um, who have written books on R code and programming in R on one, you know, international um, uh, uh, contests for um, uh, kind of fantasy sports type uh, engagements. That's how the team, we basically built that all together. And so, but we also, we didn't have that. They were working alongside sports scientists like our chief scientist, uh, Dr. Charlie Pedler. And then alongside, we actually hired a PhD in English as well to handle help us with the semantic web component and oh yeah 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 i see what you mean you know so like that's why i often look at like uh, companies in the space and i just look at the you should hire a french uh, language uh, yes no problem do you know any well i know some i can help <laughs> nice <laughs> so, stuff <laughs> i can probably help uh, but uh, yeah. and, uh, you know one of the things it's a really good point so one of the you know uh in the early days with one of the one teams, you could see the French players just laughing because obviously Google Translate hasn't translated well as well across. Actually, it's know. not that bad. I use it, no. but it's yeah, it's pretty. It improved a lot, bad. but back in the early days, you know, and yeah, um, yeah, it wasn't that good. No, and then the other component is like, uh, I'm and I actually person. worked on Google Assistant and Google Assistant at, at Google. I worked on a project, so oh, okay. I can tell you it was okay, but yeah, it's it's getting better. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and like you know, and that's the thing. So. You know, on our board, for example, we're blessed to have uh, Joe Dumars, who was uh, an NBA Hall of Famer. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and also Tom Killay, who was the um, first VP of, tech, of um, security at, uh, at Amazon and yep. led, led Kindle programs and led the earliest yep. infrastructure programs that became AWS. So, look, sports and technology can lean very heavily on each other. And, you know, there's also one of the things, I, the challenges I see and the errors that are made is... Um, you know, practitioners sometimes do not don't necessarily respect or, or understand the culture that they're they're walking into. Yeah. Whilst, you're, whilst you're, you know, we all come from different parts of the world, and you know, even just talking about the people that have have helped us and guided us in the generation or the creation of of athlete and team. You know, we're talking about uh, folks in New Zealand, Australia, Italy. South America. You know, through Europe, through through the Americas. Like it's it's a global team of people who have helped shape it, and I think once you you know the most it's so important to be cognizant of how things have done been done in in a sport for a very long time, and the the cultures and also the you know where these these uh, practices have evolved from, 
and um, it's it's you're not going to last very long if you're coming going to come in with yeah you might have the data but it's very well understanding the the context and understanding what why things have been done that way and can you help show maybe an improvement or an edge and really that's where we we, we um, see it and yeah it, it, yeah it's like when you and also i like to use the analogy when you try to analyze the sleep so many things can impact the sleep right could be the the room temperature what you ate the night before your stress level i mean it's very you know it, it, to me like looking at the data on a maybe on a whoop device it's just not enough. You need to have it that, like you said, that 360 view of what's going on too, right? Yeah, yeah. I, and in uh, one of the early times, I remember at the time talking to one of our PGA Tour golfers, and you know their data. You know they were looking. You know they just looked tired, and I, I just jumped in the car and went down and said to him, "Like, oh, what's going on?" He's like, "Brian, I've just we just had a baby, a new baby in the house," and I was like, "Well, there you go, recovery and sleep and you know all those things," and started you know in my head going, you know, talking about these academic papers. He was looking yeah. at me. And then fast forward, you know, five, six years later, and then I'm in the same boat. We have a little person in our house and, yeah. oh my God, I just got a flashback to that conversation. So there you go. Yeah. Hey, rang to apologize. And equally, we've seen like the Premier League players where they've been given the week off because a new baby has yeah. been born, which is amazing. But then they come back in and they're saying, right, you've had a week off now, you know, let's go, let's, let's, let's hit it hard. And the player is absolutely exhausted because they haven't oh, yeah. seven I days. can imagine. I can't imagine. I mean, uh, you know, these are humans, right? Yeah, so. that's it. Fundamentally, that's first things first. You're, we're absolutely dealing with humans and we all handle information in different ways. We all have good days and bad days. We, and equally, you know, we, we all handle, we'll all adapt and respond to training differently. And mm-hmm. I think the days of athletes being trained in the same way are, you know, are less and less. But, you know, you often see, one of the challenges, you know, where a team come back in preseason, you often hear of a rash of injuries right at the early season because everyone's come back in different states of readiness, but they've they're all been trained in the same way. Yeah. And that's, that's kind good. of the power of what we're doing is where you get that instant snapshot in terms of where someone is today. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, so you know, for example, like today we were publishing an analysis on the sports tech ecosystem, and I mentioned you guys, and I was thinking, what well, what because you guys are so different, so unique, right? Yes, you, you can help with injury prevention, you do blood analysis. So where do you see Orico sitting in the sports tech ecosystem? Oh, that's a really good question. Yeah, like I think we see ourselves as like that uh, intelligence arm. So if you, you know, if you want to get, if you have a, um, an existing AMS provider and you, um, uh, you really want to, to take it to the next level in terms of, uh, data science interrogation of the data and coming at tackling hard problems support you in them then yeah. that's kind of where one component of it and equally if you want to get started on biomarkers we've got an entry point that can be the point of care component and then we yeah. also have if you're doing your pre-season bloods we can you know not just run that analysis or run the bloods for you but we can also help you make sense of that data and how that what that means for the players which then informs your nutrition so really it's like that it almost like a, an intelligence that sits behind the systems that can for, for you but it's bespoke to each individual so it's um, everyone is different Every, each team isn't being shoehorned into a kind of standardized platform if that yeah. makes sense uh, yeah that makes sense um two more questions uh one that you know we, we cannot talk about that before but you know you've seen in the past um the past 12 months this huge amount of interest around nfts metaverse uh you know when i talk to teams 
they always tell me, look, uh, we feel like it's super early for us. We're trying to figure out what's the right strategy when it comes to NFTs. And the metaverse, it's even more abstract to them because they don't come necessarily for the gaming world, right? Which is where, you know, when you talk about metaverse, you talk about Roblox, you talk about Fortnite, right? Yep. What is your take of these all NFTs and metaverse space right now? Is that, do you think there's so much hype? Do you think that there's a way to monetize for teams and athletes? What is your take on that? Yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a brave new world. And um, there are really interesting parallels between the kind of uh, the Web 2 as we know it, um, you know, how, how the internet's been over the last you know, 20 years. And then this whole new brave new world of NFTs. And like you can spend like we, we've been thinking about it and talking about it for the last three or four years. And, yeah. uh, you know, the NFTs like, uh, I mean, some amazing success was around um, Dapper Labs and so rare, yes. um, you know, um, you know, companies that are, are that chain, you know, work that's been done in, in yeah. Italy. So there's amazing companies out there. I think where we, we've um, we've integrated into our platforms, we see it as a natural evolution. So, you know, you talked about uh, different um, states of readiness and we all, we believe firmly in the law of diffusion of innovation where, you know, it's a continuum from early adopters who will look at absolutely everything through to the laggards at the end who, you know, are, are drag kicking and screaming into gps or whatever you know so it's basically where your appetite is for innovation as your organization that's one kind of question we've um uh, built out there or as you've seen on athlete it's got each athlete gets their own crypto wallet where digital assets can be created and stored and then that's great sold onto marketplaces and we see the nft where we're you know can uh, one click a player can um, mint their nft of their most recent game yeah and, uh, you know you know that's uh that's something that we're very excited about but it's just a start really it's ultimately about tokenization and tokenomics and then curating that data asset and putting the f- data in formats that can be ingested into other models in time and so the nft gives in like it's an instant pathway to value creation for an athlete or a team but i think you know thinking bigger than that type of infrastructure that we've built is designed that will be able to plug into web three systems down the line. So the player is curating, um, you know, how many, I've talked to very high profile retired players who said like this stuff was one, the Oracle stuff is amazing. Like why, man, if I had this, I could have played an extra couple of years in the league yeah. and X million dollars extra. And then, or actually, you know, not being, not being as hurt. That's this kind of starting point. But then they said, yeah, we were starting to do this, you know, we, you know, we were doing some GPS, I was doing some sleep monitoring, we're doing, you know, whatever is actigraphy, jump data. And I said, amazing. And I said, where's the data? And they're like, I have no idea. So mm-hmm. one of the things we can do is to kind of provide that curated creation um, component for the athletes that so the data is stored centrally for them. And, and it's also in a format that will be able to be ingested into these models in time. So mm-hmm. it's very exciting. It is very early. Um, you know, we're very lucky and uh in our um we're in the portfolio of true ventures who have uh like people who sold that 69 million dollar nft and also justin yeah. Anderson who sold the four million dollar um uh, f- photograph now one of the most valuable in the world so we're being you know we're in constant contact with thought leaders in the space and one of the things as i said at the start of the call you know julian which I, you know really like your style is we we, we don't p- pretend to have all the answers but we do have you know we do we are a part of the of the story we and we the work is cutting edge and there's also an evidence behind it 
which is really important to us because uh, other than that, it's just, it's just noise and it's whoever's shouting the loudest. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, last question, right? So what are your plans for the next 12 months? What are you, what are you trying to achieve? Um, it's, it's, it's so exciting. Like I've been doing this now for 20 odd years, and, um, but as I've never been more excited than, than today. And yeah. now that we have, you know, a lot of the, the, these concepts that you saw on the platform, Julian, that are there, like ultimately that's, that's multiple companies rolled into one, you know, all these different inputs are uh, effectively like almost uh, creating a company to handle what you're doing. So it was so complicated, but now that they're there, what's exciting is now we can add features, you know, like I talked about movement, talked about, you know, in our platform right now, you can everything from book a blood test, review your data, check who you're going to match up against with, um, order a salad or mint an NFT all in the one place. Yeah. Which is, you know, so hugely exciting. And now, it is super interesting. yeah, then from there now we can just basically have our, our research modules and our research R&D teams and the clusters to go and attack really difficult problems in partnership with our clients. So whether that's around, um, you know, can you make us an AI drill planner that can predict a training session within five yards of distance or within yeah. one acceleration? So that's been done. There's, so there's the only limit is your imagination. You know, we're linking all that information for the for the female athlete. So you know, our our plan is to be you know doubling our team size over the next uh, over the next twelve months, doubling down on you know all this innovation that we've made and these huge strides forward, and then working with our clients to add the features that they want and evolve and that sync with their roadmaps too. And then more integration, more integration with new partners as well. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, we really do, you know, we, we think in the last, um, in last we've had, we have a, a relationship with Kindock, the, the great team over there with Travis and team. We had this week, we've completed the stat sports integration. So we're now should be visible in, in their software systems for your, for your clients and customers. Then we've catapult integration Aura, um, you know, more in the pipeline. So it's basically yeah. whatever our, 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 the elite teams are, are, are looking for, we, we help them build and, like I say, it's really that value add, that that heavy lift data science that we can provide as well. That I, that teams respond well to, and um, we really enjoy uh, working with them on. That's great. So look, we're 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 at the end of the uh, interview. That's probably one of the longest interview that I've done. To be honest with you, but, uh, well, being Irish, great... Julian, I get excited, and you know, I uh, if if anyone can't understand what I'm saying, just put a H into the word because right. we're Irish. You know, we're uh, no, look, it's a. It's a pleasure to talk to you. I could talk to you for, for hours more. If anyone wants to reach out to us, hit me up at brian.more at oracle.com or info at oracle.com and we'd be delighted to talk to anyone. And thanks to you for creating this amazing community that we're, we're just honoured to be a part of. Well, thank you very much. It was a pleasure to talk to you today. Thank you. Take care, Julian. You too, take care.